Hi, welcome to Give Me One Reason. I am Kathy Taylor, and I am excited to introduce to you some beautiful people on this podcast, people that are brave enough to talk to me regarding their feelings and thoughts on faith and doubt. Thank you for joining in. Welcome to Give Me One Reason. We are back again uh, with another episode I'm excited to share with you. Today I have my friend Aiden and Nick. Welcome, you guys. Hello. Thank you for having us. Uh, yeah, it's an honor to be on. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Um, they do happen to be my students, but I um, was so impressed with both of them. Um, Nick can make anything interesting. He talked about the history of Halloween, and I was riveted. Plus, he kept sending me, throwing candy at me every time I needed to just change the PowerPoint. It was awesome, okay? Luckily, he had a lot of slides. Um, I had just finished the Netflix show Away, feeling very scientific with my husband, who I'd asked a million questions to. And if you haven't watched it, go watch it, but Hilary Swank um, was an astronaut, and it was just all these different people in different cultures together on a spaceship, and they were going to go to the moon and then go to Mars, which would take almost three years. And the drama of the show was, you know, her husband has a stroke while she's on there. Her teenage daughter's missing her mom, and they're actually FaceTiming in on the moon I don't know if you can do that but anyway all of a sudden I felt really smart and then this thing happened to me this uh, student Aiden <laughs> gave a lecture I'm going to call it a lecture not a presentation on um, her informative speech his, his informative speech forgive me on uh, the Hubble telescope yes right it was primarily on the James Webb Space Telescope. The James Webb Telescope, yes. Okay, yes. And he proceeded to lay out so um, articulately, but yet dumbed it down enough for us that I actually felt really embarrassed that I thought, oh, wait, it was really science-y. Like, I thought Aiden needs to, like... Uh, so I actually Start asked... writing TV shows, Aiden. Yes. <laughs> I actually asked Aiden, um, okay, your speech is over. What are you going to do with your life? I hope, you know, because I actually saw him lecturing because... And not only your content was riveting, but you told me you'd studied for a long time since you were little and fascinated. So that makes sense. But your delivery just blew me away. And didn't you tell me recently your parent is a professor? Yeah, my mom is a special needs educator. Okay, so you obviously have seen people deliver a lecture. And you could, to me, you could have been professionally lecturing now. And I was just really impressed. Um, so someday you might be the astronaut that left yesterday. I know yesterday there was a... A liftoff, right? Uh, it would have been, it's next year, uh, October. Oh, yeah, there was actually a... Uh, something. Some, yeah. Something, I think something uh, left SpaceX. This, maybe. Yes. Yeah. yeah, SpaceX just launched something again. Yep. Yeah. 
Yep, and there was a woman and an African American and like a very diverse population that went up and are going to be there for a while. So that was pretty cool. Um, I was listening to I don't to know if I'd be able to pass all the tests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're young. Let's be positive. That's so true. Anyway, thank you guys. Um, both of you just got my attention and I thought, I want a podcast with these two. So as I told you, my um, podcast is about faith and doubt, but we can go wherever, okay? Mm-hmm. So I guess I'd like to start with you, Nick. Um, mm-hmm. Can you give me your background in, um, were you raised in a Christian home, or a secular home, whatever? Um, yes and no. So I actually have a very complicated on and off relationship with religion. Um, my mom was raised Roman Catholic. I went to mm-hmm. um, a Roman Catholic um, K-12 through in Pulaski, Wisconsin. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know where that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my dad was in more of a secular household, but he was um, Lutheran, I think. Okay. Um, and then when they met my... Uh, <laughs> well, I was at their wedding, if that gives you some context. Uh, okay, um, okay. Uh, okay. When my mom tried to get me um, baptized in the Roman Catholic Church, um, they basically said, not until you um, atone for having a child out of wedlock. Um, And uh, my mom said, absolutely not. Am I going to apologize for having a child? This is, like, one of the best things that that has ever happened to me. Um, And then they said, well, if you don't atone, then you can't come back. And she basically moonwalked out the front door saying, fuck you. (laughs) Good for her. Good for her. So she walked away from the church at that point? Um, The Catholic Church. The Catholic Church. She had always had... uh, Questions <laughs> uh, surrounding Catholicism, um, and never got a lot of answers because it was a small town Midwest mm-hmm. Catholic school. Um, you didn't ask questions. Um, true. She had a lot of um, kneeling on rulers, uh, like um, being essentially like told um, if you ask questions, then God hates you, things like that, um, and. That's something I wasn't familiar with. Um, I grew up more evangelical. Mm-hmm. And my sons went to a Catholic school mm-hmm. in the high school years. And I got pulled in the office one day because my sons in religion class would challenge yep. the teacher. Because in evangelical Christianity, you learn the Bible, your Bible, you're memorizing, you're like doing Bible quizzes, you're doing Bible Yahtzee, whatever, right? And it's Bible like, Yahtzee? I, well, I don't know, but you know what I mean. Like, I used to have these little note cards, these little yep. like clip cards that we'd memorize. And it's like, I had no idea that in Catholicism, you're not encouraged to read your Bible. Is that true? Like, it's you're supposed I, to kind of believe whoa. that the Pope says what's true, and then the priests say it, and then you're not supposed to question. You're just supposed to say, okay, that's what it means. That's what you told me it means. Yep. So my boys were like, but what about Romans and blah, 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 <laughs> And they were like, um, excuse me, we don't do that. Why are you reading the Bible yeah, right, in this right, religious right. studies so class? I didn't know that they don't at least study it individually. You pretty yep. much follow the lead it, of the priest. very much, yeah. um, uh, my mom was taught by nuns, and it, the yeah. nuns... Uh, <laughs> say what is true, Mm -hmm. and then that is true, and and Mm -hmm. anything else is not true. Um, And it's uh, quite the difference to what... uh, My mom always raised me to question everything that I was told Mm -hmm. and and make sure to, like, ask questions and Mm -hmm. ask follow-up questions especially um, and make sure that I was informed. Um, And I also did not go to Catholic school. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So... um, so she tried to do the opposite. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my dad just never really had a 
strong relationship with mm-hmm. um, religion. Um, and now I'm not really either. I, I um, going to my own personal background versus family history, um, I grew up, um, ha- because my brother and I are both on the autism spectrum, we didn't really go to church. My mom tried uh, mm-hmm. for the first couple of years of our lives, but um, <clears throat> my brother is about four years younger than me. Um, and, uh, the sensory of it was just too much, because I don't know if, <laughs> I'm sure you've been in a church having a podcast about mm-hmm. religion, but it's very echoey, very loud, lots mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. um, singing, chanting, chairs scraping, what have you, um, and for two autistic kids, it was absolute hell, um, <laughs> pardon my language. No. <laughs> I, have a, I have a friend who had an autistic son, and she was the pastor's <clears> wife, <throat> mm-hmm. and people tried to cast the devil out of him, because, Oof. isn't that sad? And now she's no longer a believer, but yeah, um, that <laughs> was yeah, that was yep. a definitely turning point for her, turn down point. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was less that. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad's bio mom actually at one point told my mom that uh, the reason we were autistic was because she let us watch Sesame Street as kids. Mm-hmm. Like, there's always random. It's always like the weirdest stuff. What like Sesame Street about things? No idea. I've been told I've been ADHD because I watched SpongeBob as a kid, but like ah uh, yes, that's what did it. Not the chemicals in your brain. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so that's so ignorant. I agree. Uh, yes. But as a mom who grew up in that stuff, yeah, and I read this book called Turmoil in the Toy Box. And it was written in the 80s. You've got to Google it. It oh, will no. crack you up. You said written in the 80s and yeah. I immediately... So we, it taught the parents that were reading it that Cabbage Patch Kids are of the devil because kids aren't born in gardens. Ah, yes. Um, He-Man was evil. And um, even the Care Bears were suspect because they had New Age symbols on their belly. Like the sun and the moon and the stars that got Ah, made. yes, I New know. Age. Right. And uh, these, so I, the rainbow one is queer. Yes, I, I had. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but anything queer and the Tubby Tubbies were all queer. Oh uh, yeah, of course. Yes. But I remember raising my boys that way, and they so bad like the ninja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ah, and somebody yes. got them a Teenage Mutant, Mutant Ninja Turtle pizza thrower for their birthday, and I could. They were like so excited. And I, what can I say? I couldn't do it. Yeah. You can't. And then I, you know, the then devil. I finally got over off all that stuff. But it's mm-hmm. my boys were raised in that very much bubble where no, don't do this, don't do this. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it was crazy. It was a stupid book, is what it was. Right. Yeah. My parents are um, Gen X, so they were very much the. Uh, I don't know, just do what you want <laughs> type yeah, of. Yeah. I mean, that, not to the yeah. point of neglect, obviously, right, no, but no. it was very much uh, like um, they both were working constantly. So yeah. I, as the older sibling, had to be more. That's why you seem so mature to me. How old are you? <laughs> um, twenty-one. Yeah, you just still seem older to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, <laughs> I've definitely noticed a difference between younger and older siblings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Birth order is important. <laughs> um. Where was so your so your so your relationship with uh, faith or oh yeah so um, my own personal relationship uh, it's a lot because I started with like you know the the young child of believe everything that you're told and my mm-hmm. mom I can't say beat that out of me because she didn't lay a hand to me and right. I just talked about the Catholic Church metaphorically beat that out of me fairly right, quickly sure. of like no you should question everything that you're told uh-huh. uh, make sure that you are um, well informed on whatever it is that you're being told whether it's your disability whether it's your faith whatever um, and so um, I in middle and high school got very 
hormonal <laughs> is the word, <laughs> um, and went from agnostic to atheist fairly quickly and to, to like, very angry atheist of, like, mm-hmm. nothing is real, everything's a, like, mm-hmm. conspiracy, um, I hate everyone and everything, mm-hmm. um, but then coming to college and having those hormones die down a little bit and then um, eventually going on um, testosterone, uh, which is, like, a second puberty, first of all, it's mm-hmm. awful, um, but it's much better. I recommend testosterone over estrogen. Estrogen sucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, then eventually going on testosterone, I have... Um, rekindled isn't the right word because it's a different faith. I um, started looking into Buddhism and other different... Mm-hmm. Um, You're like discovering European, something Yes, different. discovering mm-hmm. something different. Um, my freshman year, I um, was diagnosed with bipolar, um, and mm-hmm. with that, I took to um, meditation and with the meditation I uh, into Eastern philosophies and I was like well this isn't religion it's philosophy and then I fell a little bit deeper and a little bit yeah. deeper and it's like yeah. oh no <laughs> well not oh no but like I all of a sudden I have a belief of, of some sudden, yeah, I've, yeah, I yeah. believe in something yeah. bigger than myself and I was like oh I'm not as angry anymore mm-hmm. and so I, I think it's less about having a faith in one specific thing and more about having a faith just in um, everything as a whole uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of animism do you know what? I just read about it today. Native Americans, because I lectured yep. on Native Americanism, and or Native Americans, and <laughs> cross-cultural, and that is something that marks mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. as animism, and that was first yep, time the, I heard the term. Yes, the the you know belief of everything is connected, everything has energy. I practice um, even like animals and yep, stuff. Yeah, animals, right? and uh, plants, and, yeah. stones, um, the yeah. sky, everything. Um, and that just made sense to me because I also read a quantum physics book at the same time that I was looking into Eastern philosophy, and I was like, whoa, these things line up um, really closely. Wow. Um, So the science of one thing and the philosophy of another lined up. Um, That's pretty crazy. Because in quantum physics, it's called... um, uh, Well, there's two main theories. There's string theory and there's general relativity, and they... The, the math works completely different, but the overall design of it is the same, where everything is connected. Uh, the law of conservation of energy, um, if I, uh, moving my hands and moving the air around me, and then the atoms in the air go off and touch other things, and that mm. happens just it's like the Big Bang across the entire universe. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it all, like, touch it, like, nothing is not touching anything else. And mm. so that combined with animism and the law of conservation of energy and um, Buddhist thought of uh, meditation and uh, being able to connect into those higher planes um, is what I um, really connected with. And so I came out, quote-unquote, as a Buddhist to my mom, and I was like, you were raised Roman Catholic, and I know all the stereotypes are going to hate me. And she was like, no, I just am glad that you found something um, she and she beautiful. Yeah, um, beautiful. We celebrate um, Christmas, and then also my family has um, celebrated some Buddhist holidays with me as well. Um, and hmm. we like have now integrated that. I mean, it's more integrated in my life than my family's life, obviously, because I'm here for half the year, and they don't like act <clears throat> actively believe in it. Um, but it's something where uh, it's not necessarily something that is negative and it's, I've had a very positive experience. So with they're it. supportive. Yes. So you're from that small town in Wisconsin then? No, I was born and raised in um, Green Bay. Okay. Um, cuz that's where my dad is from. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom got out of Pulaski pretty much as soon as she could walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So you said you were in hormone therapy. Are yes. you trans? Yes. Ed? Okay. Do you want um, to talk about that journey at all? Sure. Um, I came out as... Um, all right, hang on. I have to think of timelines here. <laughs> yeah, it's hard sometimes. Um, so my fast. freshman year of high school, I came out as bi, um, and which is sexuality and gender are different, um, mm-hmm. but that just was my first introduction into the queer world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I couldn't figure out why um, I, like, like, I knew that I was attracted to, to men and women, but I just couldn't figure out that I, like, why I didn't want to be someone's girlfriend. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And it turns out it's because I'm not a girl. Uh, uh-huh. In my sophomore year of high school, I started um, futzing around with uh, gender expression and figuring out um, what femininity and masculinity meant to me. Um, and then my junior year of high school, um, in late October, I came out as a... Um, do you want the long bit or the short bit? <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah. So... Long story short, I am uh, a trans man. I identify as transmasculine. I was uh, assigned female at birth. So what that means is um, when I came out of the womb, the doctor saw a vulva and said yeah. you were a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I grew up and said you were wrong. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Did you always feel like something was wrong? Um, not or? wrong necessarily. Um, because I, another part of my identity is I am very feminine. Mm-hmm. Um and I also identify as partially non-binary. I don't know if you know um, about non-binary genders. I've been learning. <laughs> so I had a I had a girl or a, a, a person a person <laughs> say to me, "I'm non-binary," and I said, "Could you give me a like help me like a crash help course. me understand?" Yeah. And she said this one beautiful thing that I didn't forget. Or mm-hmm. they said, um, "I appreciate your patience, by the way." That's yeah, a of new course. Thing for me. Um, they said. I do not identify with the toxic definitions of either masculinity or femininity. And I thought that was kind of beautiful. And not yeah. to diminish yeah. their point, but I said, I don't either. No, you know and, what I mean? And I think As no a one heterosexual yeah. woman, yeah. I don't identify with the toxic. I mean, my husband, I hope he doesn't listen to this. He probably won't. Cries <laughs> like a baby at This Is Us. You know what I mean? We watched it last night. 30 seconds in, we're sobbing. You know, and it was a 90 minute As episode. He should. Right. And he's bald, looks like a bouncer at a bar. He, you know, he looks like mm-hmm. a scary dude, red ginger beard. Yep. Somebody you go, ah, and he, you know, he cries at life insurance right. commercials. And I love that he's emotionally available. Yeah. It's beautiful to me. And he doesn't see that as a weakness. Exactly. You shouldn't. So when this person said that to me, I thought, good for you. We yeah. shouldn't. Really, none of us should. But exactly. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, I think that gender roles are stupid and binaries are, are false anyway. There's more directions mm-hmm. than just mm-hmm. up and down. Um, and it is a spectrum, right? Yes, it's a yes. spectrum going in all different directions. Again, relativity. Everything is connected yeah. and everything is going in every direction all at once. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, pers- uh, the way that I define my gender for the, the 101 crash course is if pink is, or, or red is female and dark blue or like like the traditional blue is masculine, I'm more of like an indigo-ish purple. Um, okay. okay. So I identify yeah. very, very strongly with masculine and I call myself a man, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm all the way there. <laughs> so let me ask you this, was your family mm-hmm. supportive of you? In Absolutely. This? Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> um, that's beautiful. I, uh, came out to my mom via text because I, again, with the autism, um, actually have selective mutism, and a lot of people don't 
recognize that um, because I'm very talkative and very articulate. But when I have anxiety, I completely shut down. I, mm. I go nonverbal. Um, and so I was very anxious about this because, again, mm-hmm. you've heard stories. It doesn't matter how mm-hmm. supportive your parents might seem on the outside. You never know how they're going to react to their mm-hmm. kid. Um, and so I sent her a text because she was at work. Um, and I didn't have to look her in the face and I didn't have to hear her voice. And I said, Mom, guess what? You have a son. Um, and then I immediately remembered my younger brother existed. Oh, no, right. <laughs> um, She's like, duh, I have a son. Uh, like, yeah, duh. Um, but but I, <laughs> I've told you this story before. Yes, yeah, that's so, hilarious. so I then, as quickly as I could, said, Hey, guess what? You have another son and hit send, except. Have you ever seen autocorrect happen, like, as it's going out into yes, the world? And yes, it's like, yes, oh, yes, no. Yes. So I accidentally, while I texted, hey, guess what, you have another son, uh, my phone sent, hey, guess what, you have a grandson. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Um, and then I went, oh, no, stupid autocorrect. Um, I meant another son, not grandson. I'm trans, not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> this is the and then, way to do it. Then, like, oh, thank God. And then she called me. <laughs> And went, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm trying to make mac and cheese and not have a panic attack. And she said, right, what? Don't give me a heart attack like that at, uh, at work. I expected you to come out as trans. I was not expecting pregnant. <laughs> oh, that's a funny story. Um, uh, yeah. it's, it's my favorite story to yeah. tell because it just it diffused the anxiety little... so much because right. it was like, okay, no one's pregnant. Okay, good. Awesome. Let's get you uh, yeah. Uh, some new clothes. <laughs> um, but it, it was... Um, so you felt that acceptance. You, yeah, you know, it, That's so beautiful right yeah. now because... And I'm glad you, you're saying this on there. Maybe some other parents will listen because yes. it's like the suicide rate, the violence oh, rate, the yes. self-harm rate is so high mm-hmm. because of a lack of acceptance. Mm-hmm. And it's just tragic. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And even if we don't understand it, we should accept it because yep. I'm not in your body. I don't... It's beyond my pay grade to say... You know, Nick, you aren't. You're this. You shouldn't feel this way. How do I know? I'm not exactly. in your body. I don't know what it feels like. So I can. You can forgive me for being ignorant and needing yeah, to learn. Absolutely. Right. But I don't so, think we should be forgiven for being judgmental and hateful and awful yes. and rejecting because you're my kid. Damn it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I. And that's. I'm your source as a mother. Your source of love and the source of where things mm-hmm. come from. And you, I'm like your north star, right? As your mother, like mom you know what I'm saying yeah. and then yes. when that gets shut down and that door gets shut yes how tragic mm-hmm. um, so I'm happy for you is what I'm trying to say thank you um, my uh, girlfriend I've, I've been dating my girlfriend for um, in February it'll be five years wow. um, <laughs> uh, and um, she had a very different experience and so it's something where I'm very very grateful um, mm-hmm. and I, and I I've mm-hmm. have her like blanket permission to share mm-hmm. um, her story because I, mm-hmm. I we talk about it a lot um, because we uh, also are both huge advocates for mental health and mm-hmm. mental health and it being accepting of someone's identity is inexplicably like it cannot be um, taken apart um, that's the core yep mm-hmm. and if if you do not accept me as a person how am I supposed to better myself um, and, and be healthy like how am I supposed to love myself if you know, the people around me are telling you that I'm At wrong. At least being in a relationship, like, you can't be in a relationship with somebody that doesn't accept Exactly. Right. Whether and, it's a family right. member yeah. or, or a significant yep, other. significant mm-hmm. other, family member, friends, mm-hmm. um, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so when um, her dad found out that I was trans, um, because we weren't going to tell him because um, he was 
expressly homophobic and transphobic. Mm-hmm. Um, for, uh, so did he just think you were a friend or something? No, no, no. Um, he knew that I was um, her boyfriend. Oh, he just didn't know that I was trans. Know. Okay. Um, but when he found out, I went from being welcome to sleep over to not even allowed on the property. Um, mm-hmm. And then... Um, Less than a year later, uh, Anne was kicked out of the house, um, and because uh, she struggles with depression, um, her, his exact words when he found that out, found out that I was trans, were, "How can you call yourself gay?" She identifies as pan. Um, How can you call yourself gay when um, you're dating a girl who pretends to be a boy? Um, and then. Less than a year later, she was kicked out of the house um, and told, uh, you should have killed yourself when you had the chance. Mm. Um, and mm. then several, or less than four months after that, he died. Um, and she lost her mom when um, she was 15. Um, so, so she became an orphan. Yeah, she became an orphan. And after. things weren't fixed with her no, father when he died. No. So she has that to deal with. Yep. So it's something where oh. we have two very, very different coming out stories. Yeah. And I think showing both sides of that is important. Absolutely. Wow. So do you feel, you don't feel conflict at all with your identity and being Buddhist? That's very no, accepting no, no, no. and everything, um, right? Yeah. Buddhism, um, as far as I can tell, there's, uh, I've read a lot of things about um, queerness in Buddhism. It's also just less of an issue mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. Buddhism is less of a um, set of rules that you have to follow and more of like a set of guidelines mm-hmm. throughout, like instead of very specific, like, don't eat this, mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. do this, don't, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, um, like, try to be kind. Right. And, and um, like, uh, loving thoughts, loving kindness, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And peace and meditation. It's very inward versus outward. I have some books by, I can't say his name, Thick Knock. No idea. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and he wrote a book about Jesus and Buddha were brothers. And he explored that That's theory cool. I... that they actually, like, Jesus spent time in um, Eastern. Yep. Um, while Buddhism is much, 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 much older, um, the uh, theory that um, Jesus was a Buddhist monk for mm-hmm. roughly 12 mm-hmm. years is something that I am very familiar mm-hmm. with and it's super cool. Um, yeah. And that there are stories of a mm-hmm. uh, Buddhist monk that went by essentially yeah. a... a bastardized named like Joseph mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. super cool very interesting mm-hmm. yeah that's cool okay <laughs> Aiden enough about me we oh opened boy. up a big can of worms can you tell me a little of your background um, I grew up in a secular household. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom is very much a Lutheran. She grew up in a very religious household. She went to church every Sunday. She goes to mass. Well, not mass. That's Catholic. As you can see, I don't know much about it. Uh, <laughs> it's one of them. It's, yeah. it's one of them. Yeah. Uh, she goes to church on Christmas with her family and everything. And my dad was raised Roman Catholic, but kind of fell out Mm -hmm. of it. He doesn't really practice anymore. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of agnostic at this point. Mm -hmm. At least from my point of view, we don't really, um, my household is very much a you do what you want kind of in terms of religion, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. didn't really give me that much of a stepping stone Mm -hmm. for religion. Mm -hmm. I've learned very much from an academic point of view rather than a, here are some answers Mm -hmm. because my Bible was textbooks. Yeah. My Bible was looking into how fish organs worked and how, Mm -hmm. you know, far away Jupiter is from Saturn 
And it was very much a science point of view while my brother, after having a car crash when he was 18, I think he was a senior in high school, he like got flung from the car, like the car ran over his foot. He was a runner, so it completely ruined his running career. Like mm. he turned to Christianity and God and everything. And he had uh, like Bible quotes on his uh, running shoes and everything, thanking mm. God for mm -hmm. uh, helping him. I never had that kind of point of view. Mm -hmm. I was never like, I've read bits and pieces of the Bible, but never in its full or anything, so mm -hmm. it was very much a, I don't know how this works, so science must be the answer. Mm -hmm. And that's where my kind of, like, it's very much a, I don't have the answers for everything and I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. I don't have to turn to another, you know, thing. Like, I'm not agnostic. I have my own set of beliefs. Um, I identify with the term, like, pagan, uh, like, Hellenistic pagan, so multiple different pantheons and everything, but those Hellenistic are. Means Greek. What? Hellenistic means means Greek. Oh right, <laughs> polytheistic is yes. the multiple. Uh, yeah, Hellenistic and Norse primarily. Mm -hmm. um, I like had a little thing this year actually when I was really in the thick of it during uh, quarantine and everything. I was seeing kind of signs everywhere, and Apollo. And then Loki this semester, and it's a whole thing. But I usually make, wow. I use them for comfort more than anything and to also mm -hmm. help me with more of a mental health kind of perspective of mm -hmm. when I'm struggling, I can ask for help and be like, hey, can you lighten the load for like two seconds while I get back up on my feet? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's them doing it. I don't know if it's just life doing the roller coaster thing, but I like to believe that they're watching out and helping. So, so you do have a sense that there's something bigger than you or... or In a way. Um, Nick defined it best for me um, when we were walking and talking mm -hmm. that deities and everything are just another form of energy. Mm -hmm. That they are a culmination of thoughts and energy and uh, power. Mm -hmm. So they're not all the answers and everything. They have different facets of them. <laughs> no, you're all good. You're all good. You're okay. Um, they have different facets of their uh, identities and um, different abilities and all of that, but they're not, you know, the answer to everything. Mm -hmm. Like I said, they're more of a comfort mm -hmm. rather than a set of answers. Um, uh, what I like about that is then they don't have to solve all the unanswered questions. Yeah. Because, like, I have two children that are atheists out of five. Mm -hmm. And though they were the two that were raised with no Ninja Turtles and He-Men, so I get <laughs> it. It's probably a, Mom, you know, screw you. Right. But um, for them, the jumping off point, and my one son was a missionary for 15 or, like, 10 years. Right. So... The jumping off point was the problem of evil and suffering and why if God is powerful and, you know, and all that. Um, so because those answers can't, questions can't be answered mm -hmm. and I don't have it, no. you know, then it's like, nope, that's not a thing. So it's kind of beautiful to me that you're not expecting the answers to be here. And, and somebody told me, some old ancient philosopher said, oh, yeah, what was her name? I forgot. Chemo <laughs> brain. Um, because... The day I first did that atheist podcast, I, I was going to ask to be on there. Mm. And the religion or the philosophy professor is in my office next to me. And he's like, Kathy, no. 
you don't want to do that. They're going to want you to solve the problem of evil. And I said, holy shit, I can't do that. I'm just like a 55-year-old woman that I don't know the problem of evil. I can't solve that. But he said, okay, okay, if you're going to do this, I'm so mad the name. Oh, Dostoevsky, or some Russian philosopher guy. No idea who he is. Said, God never promised to take away our suffering. He's just promised to be there with us in it. Mm. So he was like, we don't have to answer those questions. So even though you're not looking to the God of, you know, it's, it's the God of our understanding or whatever, right? right. And it's like, I, I, I'm kind of encouraged for you that you're not expecting these big answers to these big questions. Right. Because so many young people are. Yeah, and I, when I was growing up, when I was going through high school and middle school, I was very much bullied. I had a lot of traumatic events happen throughout mm. those times, and I was constantly in a state, kind of like what Nick was saying, of anger, of like, if there's a God, why is he doing this to me of all people? Mm-hmm. What did I do to deserve this? I thought he was supposed to protect me and blah, blah, blah. So I would constantly just be angry at the idea when people would be like, I'll pray for you and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's that going to do? Yeah. It didn't do me any good when I was in the thick of it. What's it going to do now? Mm-hmm. But I understand now because I also... Um, now have been starting to say, I'll pray for you and I'll have you in my thoughts and send out positive energy towards you. You've been saying that for other people? Yes, I have. When they are going through rough times, Mm -hmm. I'll be like, I will ask if they can help. If not, I'm I did what I can, mm-hmm. um, and it's more of a comfort for me, mm-hmm. and I hope it brings comfort to them as well. I've been thinking lately, too. I mean, I'm an ordained minister, and yes, I'm a Christian, but I have a lot of these questions that I don't have answers for. Mm-hmm. And while I'm in the middle of my search and my journey and um, engaging with a lot of atheists, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to lie, after a while it rubs off because you're <laughs> like, uh, yeah. holy crap, I don't have an answer for that. That makes sense. But I am a person who's still asked quite often to pray for people. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a funny thing happen. It wasn't funny, but a month ago, a, 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 a woman felt like there was something evil in her house. Mm. And she called me, and um, we met at a park, and she was visibly upset. It was really obvious. But she had... Um, Sometimes the voices of people in church are really strong, and people are bad. And she had saged her house... Oh, yep, yep. And I hadn't. I said, has anybody told you that's of the devil? Because, you know, it's a new agey thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, yeah, actually. And I said, okay. So that's where that fear came in, I think, when she's sage and then this fear comes in. Right. So I said, I want to pray for you and I want to pray against this fear, okay? So I prayed, you know, in my old way, my frame of reference in the name of Jesus. You know, we all pray for what, if your frame of reference is that, that's what you pray. So I asked, you know, God to, and she goes, oh, I feel better, but I wish you could, like, we had holy water or something. Yeah. Well, I had iced coffee, you know, a lot of caramel and cream and whatever, but I had iced coffee here. I'm like, I got coffee, right? So I... <laughs> holy and, coffee. Right. Holy I just, coffee. I dipped my fingers in my coffee, and I put it on her head. I don't know, right? <laughs> and then, you know, she asked me to come back over to her house because she felt... So I did. Um, just last night, I, I got woke out of sleep about, you know will you please call this lady a family friend and her mom is on, on a ventilator with COVID in northern oh, Wisconsin yeah. and she's terrified and she was terrified that her mom was terrified and she couldn't be there for her and 
I tell you what, you don't say at those times, no, I'm not going to pray. I'm not sure that there is a God. You go, yeah. holy shit, of course I'll pray for you, right? right? Right. And I just tried to just be led by my, you know, where my heart went for her. And mm-hmm. we just spoke that her mom wouldn't be afraid that she'd have peace, that that room would just be full of, you know, and angels and love and compassion and that God would reach down. And, and there was such a relief for my friend. And... I do believe that God heard my prayer, mm-hmm. but even if it wasn't real, mm-hmm. there's power in that prayer. Definitely. Because she felt that compassion and love for her. Right. She felt this intentioned thought process that was directed at her situation, mm-hmm. and she received that, and Got of energy. Sorry, right. So, right. so, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah. So I'm glad you could you could acknowledge that that yeah. that part and that it, that that intention and energy. I do think that energy is like so real, right? Mm-hmm. And what do we tell people when they die, even evangelically or Christiany? We say they're not dead. Their spirit, right, is yeah. alive. Mm-hmm. And so, why are we so freaked out if we talk about energy? You know what right, I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. And I also, um, in high school, middle school, um, elementary school, I had one friend, uh, her name's Clarice. I still am in contact with her to this mm-hmm. day. She's basically like my sister. Uh-huh. I love her very, very much. Um, she was raised extremely Christian. So we mm-hmm. were like a dichotomy. The mm-hmm. one who didn't grow up with any religion and the one who went to church every Sunday and like read her Bible before yeah. she went to bed every night, like yeah. very Christian. And um, so she would tell me about these, like, I always had that kind of point of view where she, I remember I told her when my dog died, she's like, can I please pay for you? I'm so mm-hmm. sorry about your loss. I want to give you some sort of peace of mind that mm-hmm. you'll see him again and all of that. And I've had a lot of people pray for me for different mm-hmm. reasons. And I've never once said no to that, Yeah, which, you know... It's sorry, I have <laughs> understandable, but um, I've never once I want to hear about that uh, refused uh, someone praying for me because I know that's the only way in their mind that they know how to comfort in that situation. They don't it's, have the it's right their word. frame of reference. Exactly, it's what they can offer you. Right? Exactly, and some people have more, you know, like scientific words of just like. This is what is going on in your brain right now. This is the uh, like chemical that's causing you to feel this way. Let's talk it down. And other people are like, I don't have the words. Can I do something that I know mm-hmm. in my heart will do something? Mm-hmm. Well, not know in my heart, but mm-hmm. like I feel mm-hmm. like will do something. Mm-hmm. To offer you that uh, support. Yes. Something substantial. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So... Um, what is your journey like uh, you identify as queer right yes yes okay do you want to talk about that or not sure okay um my journey as being a queer person is um a little more rocky than Nick's. Um, I'm the one who grew up in the small town. I grew up in the small town of Maguanago. So right off of, what, is that 93? I'm not sure. 43. 43, yeah. 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 I-43. Yeah. Um, I grew up right off the side of highway, and everyone knew everyone in that town. If you were from Maguanago, you knew who that person was. You went to high school with them. Your brother knew their brothers and sisters. And, like, I hear about people all the time from there still, and it's just that very tight-knit small community that has a giant highway going through it um 
So um, I uh, started really kind of questioning everything freshman year of high school when I fell in love with a girl from Germany. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, that time I was identifying as cis straight female and I looked at myself and went, oh no, wait yeah. a minute, why do I want to kiss her? Yeah. Wait a minute, I, I only do that. And I remember talking to my friend Clarice about it and she's like, I've known you've liked girls longer than you have. So it was no surprise to her. Oh, it was no surprise to her. Yeah. No surprise. My parents didn't really understand, and that was a common theme throughout Mm -hmm. my, you know, kind of childhood with being ADHD, um, with depression and anxiety. Like, my mom, it took her years to get diagnosed with depression and ADHD. Well, not ADHD, anxiety. Um, She's got major depression and anxiety, and she's on a lot of different medications. So we didn't know that that was hereditary and went down to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So my parents just couldn't understand why I couldn't go to school and get these things done or why I was breaking down at people calling me, you know, like a crybaby or like why I couldn't get out of bed in the morning some days. It was all a complete, like, they just couldn't wrap their heads around it because they didn't know what was going on in my brain. Mm -hmm. So when I came out as bi originally, um, my parents were like, you know, let's let's keep our options open. Mm-hmm. You'll maybe this is just a phase. Mm-hmm. And they wanted mm-hmm. they didn't want to be like outright like no, you're not bi, you are straight, you're a girl, blah blah. They wanted to be supportive. They just didn't understand it. Sure. Like they didn't they couldn't wrap their heads around it. And then mm, sophomore year to junior year I started messing with gender because Oh, gosh. Having dysphoria is a trip. And so I kind of went down the same road as gender fluid into mm-hmm. not really identifying with, that, like, being a girl. And then I, um, when I was about 17, I believe, I came out to my mom over a phone call when I was having a mental breakdown as being trans. And they... Actually, no, I was 16. Um, and she didn't understand at all they just they almost acted like I didn't come out at all it was very much a let's not open that can of worms and just mm-hmm. push the lid shut mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I was like I am because you were born identified as a girl yes I identified were- for 15 16 years yeah. and then all of a sudden it's just not that anymore and my parents had never even heard of the term trans Mm -hmm. or gender fluid or anything so they had no prior knowledge on how Mm -hmm. to deal with that kind of situation Mm -hmm. and so um I was back in the closet for another two years I was out in my high school but only in my drama club Mm -hmm. those were the only people who that was your safe space that was my safe space Mm -hmm. and I originally went by Andy for Mm -hmm. a little bit Mm -hmm. until I chose the name Aiden Mm -hmm. not because it was a popular trans guy name it was because (laughs) it means little fire or little flame and my dead name never had a meaning Mm -hmm. it was just a mix of different names and different Mm -hmm. spellings and this one actually had a meaning Mm -hmm. 
and I identified with that meaning. It's a little flame, a little spark, and yeah. yeah. I can see that. <laughs> so I really resonated with that name, and it was close to my dead na- It was close to my dead name, so I thought it would be an easier transition. When you say dead name, what do you mean? Your name you were born with? Yes, okay. the, my birth name. I call okay. it my dead name because I don't identify it with mm, it anymore. Interesting. I've I, never heard that before. Um, there's different ways of mm. identifying with the name that you were born with. I, I call didn't change it, my name. Yeah. <laughs> You, you didn't change your name? No, um, my full name is Nikita. Yeah. Um, and I just have never sure. not yeah. identified with it, so I just sometimes yeah. go by Nick, sometimes go by Nikita. Continue. <laughs> uh, and for me, once I started, like, my names never really felt like, my dead name never felt like it was mine. Mm-hmm. I always just, it was just a name people called me by. And then when I found Aiden, I was mm-hmm. like, this is the name I want to be called. This mm-hmm. is the name that I feel like will make me feel more like me. Mm-hmm. And it, I remember when I first asked people to call me that and call go by he, him, when they did, I started crying because I was like, mm. this feels right. Mm. And unlike Nick, I do not identify as an non-binary. I'm full, like, I'm cool with being on one side of the spectrum. <laughs> solid blue. Solid blue. There's a reason yeah. why it's my favorite color. Um, ah. yeah. <laughs> um, but once I got to college, because I, you know, would try to tell my mom, don't call me beautiful, don't call me gorgeous or anything, please call mm-hmm. me handsome instead. That would make mm. me feel a lot better about myself because mm. she'd be like, oh, you're so beautiful in that. And I'm like... Now, no. she probably meant well, but, right? She meant so yeah. well, and I know my yeah. parents only meant well throughout yeah. those entire years, and I was going yeah. through a lot at that time. Yeah. I was going to yeah. therapy almost every week, like, yeah. but they only meant it out of, like, they only meant it out of compassion and everything. Mm-hmm. They just didn't quite get the And it's what they understood, because in a way, don't they have a grief and a mourning process, both of you? Yes. yes. Like, if, if you were my kids, and you both, you know, were born female, and you decide... That that's not who you are. As your mother, I'm grieving, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm grieving um, the loss of possible children, like from your <laughs> bodies, <laughs> right? Least, yes. Right. Um, right. Um, the the whole thing, you know. I know I had two girls out of five, so it's like you dress them up, you make them yeah. cute, all the little girl stuff, the moose in their hair, and the gels and the curls, and it's like yep. all that stuff is is probably like something you don't want to identify with, and I get that, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that's such a very real part of a mother's heart oh, and yeah. memories for your kids, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I took pride in being one of the only, I was the only girl on my mom's side. My mom's sister had three boys, mm. and I was my grandparents' oh. only granddaughter. Oh, gosh, the pressure. We yeah. do not talk with that side of the family yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, not because they don't accept me. They don't even really know, mm. um, nor do we really care about their opinion. It mm-hmm. is for completely different circumstances why we do not talk to them anymore. I see. And then on my dad's side, my dad's brother had three girls. Mm. So it was three and three of one gender, and then there was me and my brother. Yeah. And I took so much pride because the oldest siblings had three of one. The youngest siblings got together and had me and my brother, and I was like, yes, perfect. They've got one of each. Yeah. And then I went, oh, no, no, they don't. Incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. So when I got to college um, and I got my hot card changed and I was in everyone's rosters as Aiden and all my friends were calling me Aiden and I was fully immersed in my identity and everything, my parents took a step back. They even sat me down and were like, 
we're so sorry. We haven't been better. We want to be better. You are our son. We love you, and we're going to oh, be better. Honey, oh. oh, my gosh. I have not cried that hard on my couch in a while. <laughs> um, so um, it was a lot to get to that point and a lot of defining and reminding and everything. Well, and a lot of self because both of you guys, I mean, both of you people are like, um, listen to me, guys, people, but both of you, like, didn't really, you were still at an era in all this stuff where it's still fairly new, and it's like, there's yes. not a lot of support, especially from people way older than you, yep. not a lot of support for parents, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of got to carry your own selves and your own heart and your own emotions through all this and somehow come out intact. Right. Loving um, yourself in spite of people's reactions. Right. Very true. I mean, that's hard for me as a straight woman, okay? Because mm -hmm. um, I, I, I went through abuse as a kid, and I went through years of sexual abuse, and it's like just as a straight woman, I struggle holding my own heart and, and emotions. When, like, somebody hurts my feelings, the rejection just felt like, ah! and it was just stupid. It was something. Like, but there's more, right? It's There's so much more buried, so I can't imagine. Yeah, and that, um, I also went through a lot of abuse throughout my childhood mm -hmm. and throughout high school and everything, so I also had all of that going on and having to explain what these people did to my parents and mm. get me the help that I needed. I actually had one of my friends, I say that in quotation marks, um, literally come up to me and be like, are you sure that you're trans or do you just not want to be in the body that they hurt you in? And yeah, mm. that did, that rubbed me the way wrong way because I've been questioning for a long time. And my mom actually, after she started really getting better with everything, she actually sat me down and was like, you know, when you were 10, um, we were down in Alabama, and we were in the changing room, and we were going to get you out of your bathing suit. You wore your little tankini and everything. You pointed at yourself in the mirror, looked at me, and said, Mommy, I'm a boy. Wow. And my mom was like, I did not know how to handle that situation. <laughs> what do you do when your daughter's 10 years old, points at herself in the mirror, and go, I'm a boy. Yeah. She just didn't know how so to handle it. So hindsight, she saw these clues. Oh, yeah. yeah. She, yeah. She's yeah. been yeah. connecting the dots ever since. She's like, yeah. oh, yeah. wow, yeah. you didn't, you didn't hide it at all. We were just oblivious. Oblivious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. were not aware. Of course, because, you know, 10 years ago, it just wasn't on the radar. Mm -hmm. no, no, God, no. Oh, yeah, no. My parents were both bartenders. They knew before I did. <laughs> wow. No, my dad um, has been working with my my family business since he was 18. My mom is a school teacher. She, they had no idea. Um, my parents are also younger than yours, though, right? Yeah, my mom is, what, 49, and my dad's... 53? Yeah, my parents just broke their 40s. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, mine are I could very be your much... grandma. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, Age is strange. Wow, that's a weird concept to think about, but then I remembered how old your parents my were. My parents were 20 when they had me. Yeah, my mom, I think, was 28. My dad was 32, I mm. believe, or 33. Mm. I don't know. My dad's like five years older than my mom. Um, so how long have you been living peacefully in this totally immersing in your identity, kind of since college then? I yeah, mean, about two years yeah. now. And my dad actually is my 
biggest advocate and my biggest fan, aside oh. from my brother, as he so proclaims himself to yeah. be my biggest fan. That's beautiful. And I can see how confident you are and also you, Nick. So you both exude this confidence, and I'm sure it's so helpful to live happily and confidently in your identity when you have people behind you that support you. Mm-hmm. My dad, um, whenever he has to write out a check for um, like either helping with groceries or helping me pay my electrical bill and everything, he will be like, as he's handing me the check, he's like, I had to write the wrong name and it made me feel very bad and uncomfortable. And he's even- Oh, because he had to use your dead, dead name. name. Yes, and that- wow makes me oh and that made him uncomfortable and sad yes which oh. makes me like the oh, happiest guy in the world so beautiful it is yeah and he was the one who actually stood up to his own parents for me because my grandparents are they're a trip <laughs> um they're very much very conservative they're old old like they uh my grand my grandpa only learned a couple like maybe 10 years ago that the n-word was a bad word mm-hmm. and you could not use that anymore mm-hmm. um and he still is a little bit racist mm-hmm. um but they were very much of the belief of no you're our granddaughter that's who you are and that's what you'll stay um because they Mm -hmm. just didn't understand they thought it was a choice of mine Mm -hmm. and they sat my dad down one day and were like what do you think made her think that she's a boy yeah and my dad was like nothing this that's just who he is mom i don't understand and Mm -hmm. he called them up and my grandma was asking about me and using my dead name and the wrong pronouns and he literally was just like all right mom Stop. That's your grandson. His name is Aiden. He goes by he, him pronouns. You need to get on that bandwagon because it's not changing. That train has left the station and Mm -hmm. you missed the train. You need to get on it now um, because you're hurting him. Mm -hmm. You're going to lose your connection with one of your grandchildren because you're hurting him. Mm -hmm. And my dad could, like, hear in the background, my grandpa just go, we're hurting him? They didn't understand. No, in at their all. mind, you know, even the person going back to you said the person saying, "Well, are you sure?" When they heard you were abused, are you sure it's not what happened to you? It's not that body. I could see really well-meaning people. Okay, so 20, 30 years ago, it was not when trans wasn't as much of a thing, but just even being gay. Right. If somebody came out as gay, well, no, you were just maybe abused. You had to have something in your life that mm-hmm. confused you sexually, or you know, and therefore, did some male baby, you know, if it was a guy, did some male guy do something to you when you were a child, so you got all mixed up? Right. You know, we're always looking for reasons why everything isn't just black and white the way we think it needs to be. Right. And it's like, getting back to a God perspective, I, I, I think of the uh, creation story, in the beginning, you know, God created um, male and female, created he them in his image. Okay, mm-hmm. so we were created in God's image, but male and female. So connecting those dots, it took male and female, even in that narrative, it took male and female to reveal who God is. Right. Not, it's not a God is not white binary. masculine, <laughs> right, kind of. It kind of is right there. Yeah, in his image, in That's their a, image. Like in I fact, I think it says their image. I, you could you could check it out, but Ooh. it's way before, like in King James world, you know. Right. And 
You gestured at me like I know what that means. I don't. Uh, Queen <laughs> James is like the hardcore Taoist, you know. Oh, got it. Old old. Speech. The one that people are like, that's the only. I know. actually heard a very um, interesting take on being trans with Christianity mm-hmm. and everything, mm-hmm. um, where it was um, like, you know, God is creating humans and everything, mm-hmm. and Lucifer actually comes in and gives and like changes their body to be the wrong one. So mm-hmm. God gave you the mind and was going to give you the body of a man or a woman mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. of something mm-hmm. in between because intersex people are a thing. Mm-hmm. They are, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but Lucifer decided, huh, no, and mm-hmm. just kind of changed it around. And I like that one less. I like, I like. <laughs> I kind of like that because then it, God's not the bad guy, the devil is. That's what know? I'm trying to. I mean, because a lot of people blame mm-hmm. God for mm-hmm. giving them the wrong body and everything. Mm-hmm. There's also one more with a Hellenistic approach because Prometheus and Athena mm-hmm. mold your body from clay and breathe life into you and everything. Mm-hmm. And Apollo is like a, you know, god of like oracles and also just shenanigans because a lot of gods are of shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And. Like, I remember seeing one thing where he was going to give uh, humans more kind of shape-shifting, and he got drunk and gave trans people the wrong bodies instead. Mm. And he's just like, I fucked up. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Just... Yeah. I I don't know. I like those kind of like where there's no one set bad guy more than anything. It's just a simple mistake. See, and I don't see it as a mistake or as a bad guy or anything. Mm. I have a very different um, thought process when it comes to that. I think that um, I was uh, born into the body that I am the same reason that we have uh, wheat but not bread and grapes but not wine. Because mm. part of growing and part of being human is that human experience and change. Nothing mm. is set in stone. Nothing is, you know, the same in the beginning as it is so in we, the So we make bread out of wheat. Yes. We make wine out of grapes. Mm-hmm. I make myself out of And we make our lives out of the tools we were given mm-hmm. and what the resources that we have. Yep. That's is, beautiful. Yeah, there's nothing broken about me. There's nothing wrong about me. Mm. I just, part of the experience... Part of being human is living and growing and changing. Um, nothing dies as a seed. Right. That's so beautiful. And you can kind of see, like, where... <laughs> yeah, the two different, like... Yeah. That's one thing that Aiden and I very much disagree on. Um, and it's not a, a bad thing, but it's, no. it's no. the one it's lovely, major disagreement actually. that we have when it comes to being trans. And I mm-hmm. think it's because of how we grew up. You grew up in a very, like... A supportive and accepting kind of neighborhood, uh, like Appleton being a liberal arts. Yeah, I, I went to high school in Appleton for um, clarification, um, but I think it was mostly my family as well. Right. Um, and and growing up in you know the disability community, my brother, my dad, and I are all on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. We were told that we were broken for most of our lives, mm-hmm. and then we decided, no, <laughs> screw that, we're not broken. Right. That's kind of going back to, um, I have refused people praying for me. Yes, that, please, tell me that. Um, the, uh, the fact that I have disabilities, I have a physical disability, I have an autonomic uh, nervous dysfunction, which makes it difficult to regulate my blood pressure, uh, body temperature, um, things like that. Um, and I also have various um, mental disabilities uh, when um, looking at autism, looking at anxiety, looking at um, bipolar. 
Um, and none of these things make me broken. They are just pieces of who I am. That's why I have this tattoo, mm -hmm. because it's just a part of me. I love that. It's a jigsaw puzzle piece. Yep. It's beautiful. Um, so the, the puzzle piece is autism specifically, mm -hmm. and the rainbow infinity sign uh, mm -hmm. inside of it uh, mm -hmm. stands for neurodiver neurodivergence. Mm. So that means, like, um, it's not broken. It's not bad. It's just different. Mm -hmm. And if everyone was the same... It'd be so boring. It'd be so boring. <laughs> but then, so who tried to pray for you that you weren't rejected? It just various. Oh, they pray most, for your disability. You mean yes, um, like disability, yeah. being trans. So as it's something like that. that for God to fix. Yes. Okay, let me pray for you so you've because yes. now you're broken. You need to get fixed. Yes. So mm -hmm. that's the offensive part. Yes. Right. I, there's nothing part. Not of, even yeah. that they wanted to offer support or like comfort. Yeah. It was like, no, we need God to fix you because you're fucked up. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I had a friend. Um, uh, he was my RA my freshman year, um, and he was gay and a wheelchair user, and he. Um, talked about how he um, <laughs> would often get people stopping him on the street and asking mm -hmm. to, like, my mm -hmm. disabilities are invisible, um, but he, mm -hmm. being a wheelchair user, he would get mm -hmm. people stopping him on the street and saying, oh, mm -hmm. let me pray for you. Or like, in heaven you'll be able to walk. And it's like, no, in heaven I'll have a wheelchair um, because that's just how I roll. <laughs> there's a movie, there's a movie, oh God, please let me remember. It's about... Uh, a man in a wheelchair, I, I cannot believe, uh, who doesn't believe in God, mm -hmm. but gets a special gift to pray for people, and they get healed. Huh. And I think he's uh, gay as well, or trans. Mm -hmm. um, something beautiful, something... Oh, when I think My of it, it is... My brain immediately thought of a beautiful mind, and that is not nope, the movie nope, you're nope, describing. Nope. <laughs> it, was way, um, it was way less, uh, more uh, under the radar than that. It was mm -hmm. an independent film. It mm. was amazing because he gets to the end, you know, at the end of the movie, he can't fix himself, but he oh. has this weird gift. Mm -hmm. And so right. um, something about, ugh, I'm going to think of it. It's going to make me crazy. Um, and I will text you because I, I feel <laughs> like it's something you would appreciate. Yeah. I'll have to look into it. Um, but yeah, I do love that, uh, you know, both of where you came from in your story. I personally have never had the honor of having these things explained to me at this depth. Right. Mm -hmm. And the one, the reason why I bring up where we grew up from, I grew up in an extremely conservative, um, homophobic, transphobic community, and I was alone in my disabilities and in my, uh, in my mental illnesses. Um, I was made to believe for a number of years that I was broken, that I was unfixable, unlovable. I was just wrong in every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. And I still struggle with that to this day because it was ingrained into me for 12 years, mm -hmm. I think, um, by one specific person. And that was mm -hmm. the same person that asked me, um, are you trans or are you just trying to get out of the body that they abused? Which, mm -hmm. <sighs> red flags. Um, <laughs> but... I constantly struggle with my own identity and what it yeah. means to me and how it relates to other people, how it relates to my own disabilities and everything. I and struggle. your place in the world. Yes. And, and I imagine you think about it on a really deep level because the little bit I know of you, Aiden, you, you're, you're kind of freaking brilliant, okay? <laughs> I'm not trying to just butter you up, but I mean, I think being really intelligent 
and a lot of autistic people, you know, are, are really intelligent. And I think that um, <laughs> I think that that can be a burden mm-hmm. when overthinking, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the overthinking, for right? Sure. Living yeah, in sure. our head is like, you know, I'm I'm not claiming to be super intelligent, but I can imagine that it's difficult if you've been used to acting like an adult. It seems like sounds like the two of you both have had to kind of be the adult for the other people in your life almost and like respond appropriately almost definitely. and hold their hand and teach them even though they're two, three times your age. You know what I'm saying? It's like, nope, this is how it goes. So at an early age, you became the one that bore the brunt of exp- explanation, understanding, revelation. Let me help you clarify, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know what? In some ways that gives you a gift then and you developed a superpower. That is true. I definitely believe throughout my childhood having to be the one to explain certain mm-hmm. things to other people and also with my own hyperfixations, mm-hmm. with learning so much about these things just for the pure serotonin and dopamine I would get out of it mm-hmm. made me a lot more intelligent than I would have ever possibly been without Mm -hmm. these disabilities. Mm -hmm. Because when I was growing up, um, I get told this constantly that I'm a pleasure to have in class and everything. Mm -hmm. I raise my hand all Mm -hmm. the time. I'm Mm -hmm. a very active participant because I'm learning and I want to show that I'm learning in Mm -hmm. a way that is quantifiable. Mm -hmm. Is I'm making eye contact with a teacher. Mm -hmm. I'm nodding. I know what's going on. Because when I was a kid, I'd go home and I wouldn't do any of my schoolwork, mm-hmm. ever. This was before I was diagnosed with ADHD. So my mm-hmm. parents were just like, oh, he's lazy. And I'm like, no, I physically cannot do this work. I have mm-hmm. to do something else. And they're like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. So they took me to a doctor because my brother had just been recently diagnosed with ADHD, but he has more hyperactivity. He doesn't have the inattention like I do. And so... Um, they took me, they ran the tests on me and everything. They had me do the little questionnaire thing. And they're like, your kid has ADHD, just very inattentive. He needs medication now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it took me years to actually find a dose that would actually get me to do my schoolwork. And I dealt with years of feeling stupid and like a disappointment because mm-hmm. my grades were always so low. So your grades didn't reflect your intelligence. Absolutely yes. not. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I imagine yep. that happens a lot with them. Um, you know, I'm, I have chemo-induced ADD. Mm-hmm. So I'm an Adderall now. I'm mm-hmm. also an Adderall. My whole life, I've never, I'm on depression medicine and I'm on Adderall. I've never had depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been diagnosed with anxiety and depression and ADD. And as a middle-aged woman... And so it's been really interesting to me to process all this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And, and you, um, wow, it's it's interesting. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned earlier that you struggle with, like, rejection and everything. Yeah. There's yeah. something, it's not in the DSM-5 or anything, but a lot of um, ADHD people and other neurodiverse people um, have been learning about is this coined term of rejection-sensitive dysphoria, mm-hmm. where ADHD people and people on the spectrum experience rejection to a whole nother level, where if me and Nick are talking and he gets even the slightest bit less excited or just kind of starts doing something else, 
I immediately take that a rejection and I start to shut down because I feel like I've said something wrong, I've done weird body language, or Nick's just not interested in me any longer, and my brain runs with it. Okay. Years of friendship, out the window. Okay, exactly. Okay, so that would explain my night last night. <laughs> Yesterday, I had, I had my grandbaby who's seven months old, and it's a challenge to get her to go to sleep. Right. I had to go to the store. My husband said, I'll take care of her, I'll get her to sleep. So, I guess, he call, I called him an hour and a half later, oh, I just got her, she's been sleeping 20 minutes. I get home, he opens the door, and he said, I don't want the dog to bark because the baby fell asleep 20 minutes ago. I'm like, oh, cool. But ADD too, like, okay, I leave that thought, I'm on to my next thought, I'm gonna unload all my groceries. Yep. And I go in the hallway and I'm like, so anyway, blah, blah, blah. Oh no, I've done that oh, so many God. times. And all of a sudden oh. I hear, ah! Oh. I woke up the baby that had been crying for an hour for him to lay down. So. He goes, what did you do? I purposely opened the door so the dog didn't bark to wake up the baby. I worked so hard to do this. I was mad that he was mad. (laughs) (laughs) But I waited like six hours. And I just was cool to him, but nice to everybody else in my house. And then when I went to bed, he was like, hey, I'm sorry. I I got done being frustrated. I was just frustrated. I, I was just frustrated. I had seen it as pure rejection. You are a stupid person. Everything you do doesn't count. Although, and I, I was adding up in my mind all the wonderful things I do, and then you just got this one shitty thing you just did, but line it up with 85,000 good things, right? Mm-hmm. Who the hell doesn't, like, appreciate somebody, you know? Like yeah. I got groceries. I, I got groceries. <laughs> I was planning meals. And I then, so I, he's like, I'm sorry. I just was frustrated. I heard the baby cry for an hour, and I finally get her down. And I'm like, oh, I'm mad that you got mad at me. So... He got mad at me. I got mad at him for getting mad at me. And then when I explained it, I got really freaked out, and I said bad words, and I was really disrespectful. Mm. You know? No, and I And he got was that. like, no. And he was like, then he got mad at me for being mad at him for being mad. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But it all completely. came down to I felt rejected. Yes. Right? And I, I felt like he didn't understand. think I was, I'm a good enough person. Yeah. So, therefore, you... You know, you know what I'm saying? And today it all makes sense, like, how dumb could I be? But in the moment, it felt so real and genuine. Right, and that actually happened with me and Nick just, like, what, two weeks ago? I was um, <laughs> with your arm, remember, where you were leaning against the door frame? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. So we both do um, Aikido, which is a martial art. Mm-hmm. And I was leaning against the door frame, and Aiden went to pick me up, but instead uh, armbarred me. <laughs> By um, accident. Yeah. And, and I said, you know, ow, because yeah. <laughs> it hurt. And I went, dude, you have to be uh, more cognizant of, like, how you're grabbing people, um, because that really hurt. Except I didn't say it like that, because I was in pain. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so you I were was, mad. You went, I was mad. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh. I was apologizing profusely. And then I went, See, I, I was too last yeah. night. I immediately said, I'm sorry. So then when I didn't get the correct response to I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm like, I told you I was sorry. But it took him a minute, because yep. he was mad and upset yep. and frustrated. Yeah, right? yep. and... and uh, something that my mom says all the time because it's I'm I'm an over apologizer. It's a symptom mm-hmm. of anxiety. Um, I don't need a sorry. I need an okay. Um, like you don't have mm-hmm. to feel bad about it. Just know that you've heard. It. Acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. Hear it. Fix it for the future. So mm-hmm. I said that to Aiden, not knowing or not realizing at the mm-hmm. time that he hadn't grown up with that mm-hmm. phrasing. So yep. I said, I don't need a sorry, I need an okay. And then he, like, just left. Like, mm-hmm. I shut down and I removed myself from the situation mm-hmm. because I was mm-hmm. going to cry. So mm-hmm. I was like, nope, I'm just going mm-hmm. to leave before I do any more bad. Yeah. 
Then literally, like, I texted him, like, hey, make sure you drink some water. You worked out pretty hard today. Um, mm-hmm. And know that I'm not actually upset with you. Just make sure that you're cognizant of um, how you're holding people in the future. Um, and, like, send him a text. And then the next morning, we met for breakfast. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, that's where I was at today. Calling my mm-hmm. husband twice. Please forgive me. I just... Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, but I really didn't make. I didn't know it was actually a thing. Rejection, yep. dysphoria. I thought maybe it had related to trauma or something. You know. I mean, it also process. could relate to trauma. Mm-hmm. Like and, it's and, not a specific. It's not yeah. one definition. Mm-hmm. Like mine also comes from years of mental and mm-hmm. verbal abuse from mm-hmm. a specific individual, where mm-hmm. it's gaslighting and everything. Like mm-hmm. you learn that sorry and placating is the way to go and I do that mm. constantly and both Nick and the people in our life now suffer for the things that other people did that yes. aren't even like in the picture yes. right and but, that's I'm beginning to understand that it's but, like we blame the people in front of us for the things I mean they, they have to bear the brunt of some of our yeah and Nick and Tori have been extremely understanding with all of the things that I have gone through like mm-hmm. I'll think constantly that they don't actually want me around, that they don't really care and everything, and they'll literally just stop me in the middle of the sidewalk and be like, Aiden, you're a friend. We love you. We're not gonna... Why would I spend, like, 24-7 with you if I didn't enjoy your company? (laughs) That's really beautiful. It is, and I'm... I'm super lucky to have them in my life and to have them be so understanding and I'll constantly try to explain like oh this is why and they're like nope we don't need an explanation mm. we just need to make sure you're okay and I'm How like beautiful. I know and I'm very lucky to have them as my friends that is really wonderful I'm glad you guys found each other mm-hmm. um, I th- you know I really think I think we're done but I saw you scribbling notes. Do you have any last-minute questions? Um, yeah. Not really questions. Oh, I thought of that movie, Sympathy yep, for... Yep, I looked it up. Sympathy for... Did I d- Mark Ruffalo? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Sympathy for Delicious. Yep. And he's a drag queen, I think, called Delicious or Ooh. something. And he's in a wheelchair, and he gets this weird healing power. It's really a bizarro movie, but it was amazing. And um, if I you can find it, I'm going to go watch it again just because it popped in my head. It's been like 15 right. years. Do it. But... Um, I just want to humbly say that um, I appreciate, first of all, your patience with me, pronouns. Oh, of course. Um, and teaching me and, and just my interaction in class and having you in my class. But just this session, to me, I feel like we went deeper about trans issues. And, but even more than that, human identity issues and, core, um, and the core of what it means to, to live accepted and loved. Mm-hmm. And supported by people around you, but sometimes that takes you being patient enough to deal with um, their past or their, you know, you hear you are two trans people with two different experiences with mm-hmm. with family members and stuff, which which informs, which allows you to be a little more gentle with him sometimes because you, you come from a different, <laughs> yes, we all have yes. that frame of reference, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to learn from him and then you can teach him things. And so it's just really beautiful how... Um, this last year, two years ago, somebody, I heard a phrase, platonic intimacy. Yes. Seriously, you've heard it before or yes. whatever? Yes. Okay. Um, so, we've got um, our group of three friends, so it's Aiden and I yeah. and then our other friend, Tori, um, and we call it, uh, we've got three legs on a wobbly step stool, yeah. um, and that's what yeah. we're, uh, we're yeah. together, the legs can't super stand up on their own, but when we're, Beautiful. you know, supporting each other, it's that platonic intimacy, we're constantly like... Because with um, quarantine, having yeah. to not have yeah. that human contact, we just yeah. 
hugging and like absorbing into each other. But I think the beautiful thing about platonic intimacy, I wish the world, I'd like to scream platonic intimacy from the rooftops because we've been taught a lie in especially our culture Mm -hmm. in that there is one person out there that can meet all your needs emotionally, sexually, all these things. And it is such a lie. It was never intended. Mm -hmm. We didn't come in to this world just like, well, somebody would argue Adam and Eve, but whatever. But I'm just saying we are a collective. We're human beings. And no one person can meet the needs that we have. And, like, my second husband and I, we, we have a really beautiful relationship, and he offers so many beautiful things to me, but it's a different relationship than I had before. So sometimes I think, right. wait a minute, you don't say this, or you don't, you know, so I look for certain things. I want him to be everything. Mm-hmm. That is too much undue pressure. Yes. And when you begin to have platonic intimacy, non-sexual, I'm talking about loving connection yes. with yes. people verbally, emotionally, physically, a pat on the hand, a hug from a friend. A stranger at a checkout line saying, mm-hmm. I love your hair today. And then I get to say, oh, it's a wig, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, and then we talk and he goes, oh, you know, I had somebody propose to me two months ago and he was 40. And I was like, I just felt so. He's like, someday I'm going to come find you when you're not married no more, you know. Oh so I don't gosh. know his name. It was silly and stupid. <laughs> I'm not even saying it to my horn, but what I'm saying is like I took that love in mm-hmm. and right. that, that, that affirmation and that right. validation. I was like, oh. What a sweetheart, you know? Right. Or, or when I meet... That's number three. Yeah. Where I have that, you know, that mother hole, you know, and, yeah. and an older lady just... Or even my friend my age, or even a young woman in my life nurtures me like a mom. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm twice her age, I have a woman like that. Precious. And it's like, wow. It's like, I can get those needs met. I can get these needs met. And then it takes the pressure off my husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You Bring know, you to, to that one yeah. person, that unrealistic thing we're not trying to live up to. Bring it back to um, energy and that connection. Um, we, as humanity, are all connected um, through, like, I, I do believe in the concept of the soul. I'm not sure if mm-hmm. it's a physical thing or if it's mm-hmm. energy or if it's um, purely spiritual or what have you. Um, but it's, we are all connected in some way, shape, or form. And being mm-hmm. able to tap into that through physical connection, through emotional mm-hmm. um, connection, through even sex. I'm sure. very open about um, right sex and uh my girlfriend and I are in an open relationship she goes Mm -hmm. to school in Oshkosh Mm -hmm. um it's something where like having that intimacy and having that connection with other people we're supposed to have it not necessarily the sex Mm -hmm. bit but Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. we are supposed to have some form of connection with other people absolutely um and I think that the quarantine has really showed that yeah because we had to pick and choose which Mm -hmm. people we have to Mm -hmm. um we have to limit our interactions with people, mm-hmm. um, but then that just makes our connections with the people that we keep in our lives stronger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, I'm going to throw some Bible thing in there once. Um, you know, the Bible says we see through a glass darkly. So when we're here, we don't understand everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's, right. It's, it's, a, it's a mystery. Yeah. But when we die, you know, we, we understand everything, and it's face-to-face, and it's clear. And um, I love... I, I do. I get the opportunity to do a lot of funerals, and um, I do weddings too. But I really love funerals better because people's hearts are just really raw and open for something good to be deposited, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so many times funerals are so awful. You oh, know, they wow. made some altar calls. You know, this guy might not be in heaven. We don't know. But if you want to be in heaven, you know. So I love being the anti that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
I just always say like if you don't know where that person was at, you don't you don't know if they're in heaven, whatever. If God is real, He's love, and He's mm-hmm. better than us. Mm-hmm. And when that person died, whether they didn't believe, they didn't understand, they were angry. Some people have had such a bad rap of who God is. He's been so poorly represented, right? right. He has the shittiest PR ever. Right? <laughs> and it's like, it's like, please. But when we die, we understand perfectly. And if there's a God and he's real, he's loving because God is love. So if he ceases right. to love, he ceases to be God. So when he accepts you in that moment of it, or they accept you, really. Technically, they, we can establish. Scripturally, it's a they. <laughs> yes. When they accept you, I got to write that down. God um, is they. God, God is, is a they. they. God is they. Oh, that'll get a lot of controversy going. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get more hits on this one. Um, <laughs> Yeah. When, 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 when. Title of the episode right when, there. Exactly. God, God is, is they. I might. Yes. Yeah, yes. So when he, they mm-hmm. accept you and they go, come, just come home. It's, it's all good. It's all finished. Mm-hmm. How beautiful. There's no retribution. There's no punishment. There's acceptance and love. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you understand everything. Oh, I get it. So what I'm saying is that the pressure to understand it all is never been put on us, I don't believe, by God. Mm-hmm. Because it says right in there that we don't understand clearly because we're not meant to. Mm-hmm. Right. It's Again, supposed those, those to answers. be a mystery. Yeah, those, those answers. Those unanswerable questions. Right. And that's what keeps us searching and mm-hmm. keeps us wondering. It makes life beautiful. I love laying awake at night thinking, blah, 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 contemplating my navel, I call it. You know? <laughs> it's amazing. Right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, I personally believe in reincarnation. Um, yeah. But I think that there's... Um, sort of like a rest stop area yeah, uh, in between yeah. this life and the next life. And I don't know if that's heaven. I don't know if that's yeah. um, the, actually, the underworld. I don't know if it's Valhalla, what have you. Um, but it's it's that, like, moment of, of peace and reflection and contemplation mm. before you go back Beautiful. into the next life. You know why I kind of think reincarnation could be a thing? My whole life I've been told this, you know, oh, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> But I think of things like deja vu. Oh, yes. yes. There's no explanation for deja vu. Like, and also, have you ever met people? I met somebody um, through the, that atheist podcast I was on, and they just swear. They remember the day they heard my voice. They're in California. They remember the day they heard the podcast and where they were, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's just a bond there, a really beautiful yep. bond. Oh, most and definitely. And I meet people, and I've never met them in person, yeah. right? And right. I'll see somebody, why do you feel that instant kindred spirit? Like that. Yeah. We, I, I feel like, I, you feel like, this is what it is. You might know more about them after that day, but yeah. when you meet them, you will never know them better. Um, my You'll know more I, information, yep. but you instantly know them. My girlfriend Why? and I started dating the, the day that we met. Yeah. Um, and I am... Yep. Heavily convinced that that is the reason yeah. why, because we were supposed to find each other. So I it think, was I random think, chance. Yeah. But. I like the idea of you don't have just one soulmate. Mm-hmm. You can absolutely have so many soulmates. Absolutely. You find people who will yeah. stay in your. Clarice, one of my soulmates. Right. She has been a sister to me no yeah. matter what. I remember when we were on the playground in like second grade, we'd scream at each other in a fight and then 60 seconds later we come running back crying and not wanting to be apart and there's also my friend Simone I met her through a discord server and the second I heard her voice I was like 
I know you. Yeah. I don't know how, but yeah. I know you. I last summer spent a month at her house down in yeah. Florida. And yeah. And how sad that we, we propagate the lie that your soulmate is one person out there that and you have to, to find. And yeah. it has to be romantic. It has to be romantic. And you got to find them in the sea of millions of people. Oh, my gosh. Billions or whatever. of, of billions seven billion of people, people on this earth. Will you, you be lucky enough to find your one person? Backwater Wisconsin. Right. <laughs> And really, our soulmates are, will be one of many. Yes. yes. And they're all people that feed and help you grow and plant things and, like, you have a kinship over. Right. right. And it's really beautiful. Yep. So, wow, we got deep here. <laughs> yes. Thank you, guys. I enjoy it. Yeah, thank, thank you. For you. This was me. awesome. And uh, let's hope this worked. Thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for tuning in. That sounds all radio-ish. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Give Me One Reason. If you're interested in contacting us or being on the show, please go to givemeonereason.org or call Kathy Taylor at 608-728-3284. Things the church would tell